It's called Slap, and it's a Sublime-like terminal-based text editor. So yes, Sublime Text comes to your terminal. I think it's actually... I don't know. It does. I think it's actually a, a pretty beasty installation because it runs on. I think it runs on Node, and you have to install it using npm. But it you didn't is, try. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't actually compelled. But I know Noah is a big Sublime Text fan, so I sent this over to him this morning to give us his full review. Nice. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like I think uh, for some people, the you know, if you're if you're a JavaScript dev, then it's a, it's probably like a super easy installation for you. That's a good point. This beer is delicious, Wes. I know, right? I was surprised. It is really good. <clears throat> the, oh, it's a blonde ale. Yeah, a blonde I'm a sucker for ale. an easy beer in the in a warm afternoon. Mm-hmm. All right, I want the Wes take on the VR backpack. It's a PC that doubles as a backpack for VR, but then you can put it in a big old docking station. Whoa! It's a desktop PC. HP's making this thing. What do you think of these backpack PCs? Have you seen many of these? So my, my first worry... What if you're walking uphill, you're working up a sweat on a sunny day? Is that going to ruin the PC? <laughs> Water damage? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah. well, I think they envision, like, you're in the living room still. It's for VR, but without having to have all the cords all over right. the room. I, I actually think it'd be awesome as, like, a live stream broadcaster. Like, put put Linux on this, put OBS yeah. on this, connect it to some LTE modems, and now you got yourself a portable broadcasting machine on your back. Seems like it'll all come down to weight distribution and heat. You know, like, is it comfortable to wear? Can you do it for right. multiple hours? Right. It could enable citizen journalism. In fact, if you built in LTE modems into this thing, I mean, I, I bet you... can we enable citizen journalism with, like, a, huh? a Pi and a... Cell phone, too. Yeah, or yeah. just a... Yeah. Yeah. Nexus 5 that you Well, put. I guess you don't really need a PC. You know what they ought to do? You know what they ought to do, Wes? They ought to just make the VR headset super powerful. Here's an idea. Why don't they put a PC in a headset? <laughs> That's crazy talk. <laughs> or I was thinking, like, what's the size like on this? Can you get smaller? Could we uh, get, like, a NUC and then one of the little right, GPU yeah. things that you've just duct taped on your yeah. the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's got a 1080 graphics card, and it's got the KB Lake A7 processor. Uh, you you, you got to buy the dock separately. The dock is $600 oh. on top of a $2,500 computer. And I'm sure that dock works with all kinds of other systems you're likely yeah. to have. I, I'd say that's definitely future-proof. Look at all those ports. I see three. I mean, how could you not buy this with all of those killer VR apps? This is Linux Unplugged, episode 200 for June 6th, 2017. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's been going for 200 episodes strong. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hello, Wes. I don't think we've missed an episode. I don't think so. We've had like some holiday specials. Yeah. Some yep. flashbacks. Oh, absolutely. This week, we're, perspo- we're perspiring. We're perspiring. Perspiring. <laughs> we're perspiring. Or conspiring. <laughs> we'll find out. And postponing. It is getting a little warm here. We're going to hold off on the 200th birthday celebration for July 4th. More about that in a little bit. Instead, after we get through kind of a shorter, compact amount of uh, project updates and stuff, we're going to do a love letter, a love song, and maybe, maybe, a, maybe a little more. We'll tell you more about that for Gnome 3. I, I'm, you know, I'm loving GNOME 3. I think it's a great desktop, and we're going to cover some ways you can make it better, and why I'm pretty positive on the future of the GNOME shell. Some things that are coming up very soon to GNOME, and things that are long, long down the road, but I think are going to have great long-term impacts. In fact, one of them is developing even today as we go on the air. So we're going to cover 
Things to make GNOME better for you today, even if you're not a GNOME user. Please stick around after we get through the updates, because I kind of want to just show you how the other side is living this week. Better or for worse. We want to get your feedback on that. And then we'll talk about sort of where GTK is going, where the GNOME shell is going, improvements to Mutter, GTK4, and a company out there that's making some big hires that could have big long-term impacts on the direction of GNOME. So 200 is a packed episode. Whoa. A packed, packed episode. Uh, and uh, before we go into it too far, you know, we have one thing we got to do every single week. We got to start. We got to start right here. Sometimes I like to wait a little bit, but I'm feeling I'm feeling in the community spirit. Time appropriate. Greetings, virtual hug. Greetings. Hello. Hello. So we have uh, we have the virtual lug joining us every single week. But f- to celebrate our 200th episode on July 4th on America's birthday. Now known as Linux Unplugged's birthday, we're gonna have a virtual lug barbecue. The virtual lug becomes real. At least some of us. <gasps> yep. yep. No the, way. It's official. The meetup is set up. You can find it at meetup.com/slash Jupiter Broadcasting. If you can make it, we'll be cooking and grilling and uh, sous vide. <laughs> All the things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, my lady will be here. Is that right? Yeah, Hadia will make it. The kids. Will be here. This could be a lot of fun. Um, I think Angela's going to make it. So you are you are also welcome to bring a significant other or uh, or somebody else. Mm. We won't say no. Yeah, it'll be. What, it'll be what happens at the studio? It stays. That's right. That's right. It's like mini Vegas yeah. right here. So meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. That's when we're going to be celebrating our 200th episode. But since we're not doing that today, we have some work to get done. Oh, we got some really really great information in an interview that happened over at Engadget, or no, I'm sorry, Ars Technica, uh, with folks on the Android project. They talked to Android execs Dave Burke and Stephine Siat? Kubertson? I, you know what? I shouldn't have even started. Nope. Just, I shouldn't have. I'm trying to learn to just... Android execs. Just, yeah. And I could have just left it at that. And nobody would have cared. Nope. They would have been fine. But I just kept going. You'd think I haven't been doing this Maybe for like almost 201 you'll be there. Oh my gosh. Anyways... You don't care about half the stuff in here, I'm betting, unless you're a huge Android fan, and you're probably listening to different podcasts if you are, um, or additionally. But there was something in here that was really good and juicy for us Linux users. They talk in here about the really freaking old um, Linux kernels. And if you have not listened to a recent episode, we've, we've kind of gone over this a little bit. Current Android Pixel, the one that uh, like uh, Wes has got there in, oh, his, yeah. uh, in his pocket... It is shipping with a really old version of the Linux kernel, one from 2014. And that was an LTS kernel, which is no longer being maintained by Greg KH. A point that he Come made, on, Greg! It's a point he made a lot of noise about. In fact, he even did like one more like sympathy release of patches because he knows so many Android devices. Oh, yeah, 3.18.31. Yeah, which is no longer getting support uh, upstream. So Google is now essentially running a unsupported, unmaintained version of Linux kernel and hopefully backporting fixes. I mean, I, it works so well for my router, Chris. I thought maybe on the phone it would be good, too. <laughs> of course. And this is, by the way, best case scenario, this is on the Pixel. So if you got like a Samsung S6 or something in your pocket, I'm betting it's even worse. And so rightfully so rightfully so ours asked them about this and they say what is your thinking about the linux kernel you ship a super old one right now from 3.18 that's from 2014 what are you going to do about this you're stuck maintaining this until 2019 because the pixel yeah and and so uh, burke comes right back and says well we have 4.4 working internally 
Now, here's the problem with 4.4 is that means they're not shipping it yet. It means it might be shipping on the next Android device, possibly. That's a possibility. The next uh, official Google Android device. But if they don't have it shipping now, that's not that's not very four point four is already getting old, yeah. And it's maintained until February of twenty eighteen. Google wants to provide three years of security updates, so it's going to have to maintain kernel four point four on its own from twenty eighteen, from basically the beginning of twenty eighteen until twenty twenty. It's a long time. So even though they're just so we, it's great they got four point four internally, but it's it's like not enough. Too little, too late. It it is I think a big problem. And I think it's one that could really kind of bite them in the butt, especially because what's holding them back isn't their their effort or their enthusiasm for it. It's silicon manufacturers. And this, if you recall, goes back to Project Treble. Yeah. Where they're trying to abstract away the hardware manufacturers. So they say, take the Pixel, for example. It's a Qualcomm device. So we have to stick with what Qualcomm supports. Now, we're going to try to be more prescribed about which kernel version you have to ship with a new device. And we're going to work with the Lenaro community. Where's my bell? That's a key, that's a key point, the yes, Lenaro community. That is an organization and group that is structured in kind of like two main parts. Lenaro, is, from my understanding, and this is my rough understanding, is Lenaro has a, has a core fork of the company that's super focused on Linux kernel and drivers and Linux core subsystems on ARM. Then they have another fork of the company, the second branch of the company, which is really focused on ARM chips, you know, the whole system on a chip ecosystem environment, getting those vendors to work with patents and licensing and all that stuff. That's, that's my rough understanding of Lenaro. So what uh, they are planning to do from reading this entire interview, and now I'm summarizing for you, is they're planning to work with Lenaro to essentially pick up Greg KH's work. And Lenaro may become sort of an extended LTS maintainer with their own fork of the Linux kernel that Android is using. And uh, they say in the interview that they're going to get more directly involved with that. Interesting. So we could have like an Android fork of the kernel that gets maintained for an additional year outside of what the standard... I don't standard... know whether I should be like pleased because I want more official or better maintenance or more upkeep or to be like, ah, this feels like a compromise on all sides. Mr. Veratunda, you had a question about uh, communities maybe moving to other projects. Well, it just occurs to me, K. Wright, that there are already... Oh, hold on. Say again. You cut yourself yeah, off. Sorry. It just occurs to me that there are already uh, you know, embedded Linux projects out there, like you know, OpenWRT and LEDE project, which have recently merged again, which already target you know, Android or sort of, you know, ARM platforms. I don't understand quite why okay, everyone's trying to reinvent the wheel Okay, when it comes to sort of like these kind of projects, because I mean, you know, OpenWRT very up to date with their Laco kernels, they get Laco packs, and they have a good ecosystem okay, sure. running packages and stuff. So why can't they base it around that? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to base it around OpenWRT. If they're going to do it, they do it something like a Fuchsia or whatever it's called. Their new, their new OS that's not Linux based that they're toying around with. I think though the real answer is is that. Android is just simply its own beast now. It's its own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It's its own everything. It's, it's, it is its own market force. And so it just doesn't matter what, you, what else is out there because it's so huge. You, uh, you still enjoying the Pixel? Yeah. Are you? It's a, it's a... Are you? Are you? Oh, I, I just noticed. Probing question. Well, I just heard a lot of questions about the WWC event and the pre-show, and I thought maybe Wes has been looking over the fence and... You know, because I I look at these things and I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on some sort of Android rant here, but um, 
I find it a little disappointing. I feel like Google is a pretty big company with a lot of really smart people, and I, th- I think a lot of them get open source and Linux there. I think you're right about that, yeah. But yet it feels like they've really compromised on this stuff, and they just keep compromising on this stuff. And I mean, I would certainly say it is not up to... It's not It's not so far away, but it's certainly not up to the fit and finish of iOS or an iOS device. For me, that's okay. Um, it, the Pixel is at the point where it's like pretty much good enough in yeah. that like it's not ugly. It doesn't offend me to have in my pocket or carry around. Uh, the performance is good. It doesn't bother me with lots of the old Android, you know, oh, why is my app just stalling or whatever? So I don't see those things. So it is like day-to-day use cases, the camera I like, and it's fast. So those problems are mostly gone, at least in my day-to-day uses. Yeah. It doesn't have the kind of seamlessness. It doesn't have all the thought that's put into it, obviously. But, but you are touching on something there. Uh, WW, I don't, I'm, not, I'm wondering, are you an Android user, WW? Yes. I'm stuck on some older versions right now, unfortunately. I'm, I think I'm on KitKat on my you, phone. Is your phone nearby? Because if you go into yeah, the about, I'd, yes. be, I'd be curious. Now, what do you think? Do you think like this stuff, like the kernel version on the phone and stuff, is it just something that only matters to me because I even understand what a Linux kernel is? Maybe I'm the only one that thinks this matters because it works, right? It, at the end of the day, I, it's a tool. I, I think it matters because you want it to be secure. I think most people yeah. would want their phone to be secure, exactly. even the most average of users. But because of the ecosystem and how pe- and like the vendors are pretty much – it's Google works with the, these third-party vendors, whoever it is, but they're not in control of it like um, Apple is. They're the ones who are being bent over the barrel and being told, oh, no, we're not going to support this. Right. Or, There's no Qualcomm, If Qualcomm says we're done, they're done. This. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, like I want the, this is why I'm sad, like Ubuntu phone or Edge or whatever didn't take off. As well as it should have, because or in Firefox Mobile sure, yeah. didn't do yeah, well, because yep, yep. we were stuck with these companies that don't, you know, get that there are people that want these phones, either cheap, secure ones, or maybe they want to pay more for a better one that's secure, and it's not happening. Yeah, I would. I would love so the Pixel to me seems like a premiumly priced phone. So I would love if that meant you get premium security. Confirm. <laughs> and I would love it if it meant you got premium security too. How has there not been more of an enterprise or angle here security. too? Say that again, Ron. I said or reasonable security. I mean the <laughs> fact that it's oh. using such a they're going to update to a channel <laughs> that was released two years ago. I mean, Thanks, you think they're right. backporting, right? They're backporting fixes and whatnot. Well, they say that, but we don't know. Yeah, I mean, and part of it is, well, that's a good point. Like, part of it is they're backporting, they're backporting the big things that they are aware of. That doesn't mean they're getting everything. It, I think it's, I think it's a little naive to assume that every fix makes it onto the bug list, and mm-hmm. every security patch isn't just, which isn't just considered a bug fix, is properly addressed. In fact, um, Linus himself says that he considers security fixes. And bug and just like bugs to be the same kind. They're the same level of fix. They're just fixes. And I wouldn't be surprised if that mentality isn't a bit pervasive. And so sometimes things that might be a little iffy on the security side are just marked as a bug fix. Nobody notices because the developer himself found it or herself found it, makes the fix, submits it, it gets accepted, and it's patched, and it just rolls out the next version of the kernel. And because there was never a CVE attached to it, it means that it just sits there rotting in these old kernels. 
Right. I, I mean, that's why I care. It I works guess. okay, I guess, if you have the, you know, just update your kernels, which I think is pretty much what the kernel community would tell you, right? Just update your kernel. We try hard not to break things. Update your kernel. It doesn't work when you have based your project yeah. on this forking yeah. relationship. So WW is on 3.4, kernel 3.4. Ouch. Um, I have um, Android 6, I think. That's not and, super old, but it's in there. It's getting there now. Well, I also have a Nexus device. So, I, you know, I, the fact that I'm... And I think it's some, like probably six months or so they said they're going to just continue my device entirely. So that's fantastic. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I So Veratunda, you think it's kind of a shame that uh, Android isn't known for one of Linux's better traits, which is supporting older hardware. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're good. You're good. You just got to hold down that push to talk. You're good. You just got to hold it down. There you go. Yeah, sure. Shift home. Okay, so the, like I said, okay, I mean, Linux is pretty much well known for running on old hardware. And, you know, even if you go back to sort of like the, the kind of last incarnations of, you know, PCs 10 years ago, you can still run a pretty modern kernel on, on that kind of hardware. But you try and do that on a phone, not a chance. Because, you know, for one thing, you're right, the hardware manufacturers don't upstart, they update their drivers um to fix you know new problems care or new systems or anything like that so i don't know what's going on with that yeah it is it is a bit it's a bit of a shame you know uh, that's a bit of a downer let's talk about a part of a solution this is just a natural segue it's ting i mean really a part of it is the carrier there and ting is a mobile is mobile in a totally different totally different light it's it much simpler approach. It's a much more understandable way to do mobile and they don't have like this huge branding strategy where they need to integrate in a certain part of their branding to the phone which holds up releases. They just – they don't even play in that arena. That's why I love Ting. Those are the top features for me. But what really draws people in is the way that the payment system works. So it's, it's just $6 for a line. Just six dollars. So you want two phones? You want one phone? Okay, it's six dollars. You want a second phone? It's six dollars. You want a third phone? It's six dollars. <laughs> really simple. And then you're just your usage on top of that. So your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. And it's really clear. And you often uh, the average Ting bill for a line is like twenty three bucks. They have nationwide coverage. There's no contracts. There's no early termination fees. You just pay for what you use. They have a very very well built control panel. They have a full range of devices, or you can bring your own CDMA or GSM. You pick. And if you bring one, they'll just give you a service credit, which probably pay for more than your first month. They have such great customer service, too. And check out their blog. As a small business owner who uses Ting, I got to say it really does work well for small business. And they've been featuring a couple of different businesses recently. I, I, I probably would say I, I encourage family plans more. You know, if you got kids or people, you just want to have several people. Or in, in my case, when we had a nanny for a while, we, we actually got her a phone. So we always knew we'd have good, reliable communications with her when she had the kids. And to us, that was worth the six bucks a month. And now you look at it, and I'm, now I think about it so much more as a business owner, about how I can, when we have events and things like that, how I can use Ting. And they actually just highlighted a lavender farm oh, using Ting. Yeah, for nice. their mobile business. Pretty cool. You can get started by doing us a favor. Visit linux.ting.com. Linux.ting.com. Take $25 off a device or get a service credit. And then visit the blog and read around. Even if you're not ready to switch yet, check out all the stuff just so you are familiar. When it, so when that time does come, and it will, my friend, you will be ready. You will be prepared. Linux.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Unplugged program. Linux.ting.com. Little community service announcement before we move on because I've seen a few people getting caught by surprise. 
your old version of Skype that you've been hanging on to, clinging on to, version 4.3, yeah, the cute version of Skype, is being retired before our barbecue on July 1st, 2017. Well, It goes away. No more Skype for you. You will not be able to use it. You must switch over to the new Skype for Linux beta, which uh, I think as we record right now is at version 5.3. It's really getting pretty good, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you what do you think of it? I know, like, there were some early issues we had here in the studio with it. You tell me. You've been using it now for weeks on TechSnap. Working pretty good. Yeah, it really does seem to be. The video picture seems fine. The audio quality seems pretty good. Has, haven't had any crashing or yeah, anything. Yeah, it seems so. like much better than it was when the beta first launched. And it's nice that it has, you know, the Linux, hopefully this time around, they're, you know, it feels like they're doing Linux with Linux in mind from the get-go. So hopefully we won't end up with like, oh, yeah, never mind, you'll never get updates again. Yeah, no, the, the word on the street is, is that that, that Linux client is the new... Yeah. Skype for life, like all so kinda, platforms. It's nice Skype. to see that they're treating it seriously. Yeah, so it is actually pretty decent. The thing is, is there's they really they have no choice because all the competitors are getting pretty damn good too. And WebRTC is maybe yeah. the thing now. Yeah, WebRTC is looking pretty good. Like Jitsi is is great. I use that a lot for guests because yeah. I can just send them a URL. And um, Skype really has to up their game. That's pretty much what it comes down to. I I'll, I have I'll leave this more as a resource linked for uh, folks in the show notes. But I hear this question a lot. What's the difference between Google Chrome and Chromium on Linux specifically? Like, why do I want to run Chrome over Chromium? Or do I maybe want to run Chromium for privacy reasons? So I guess the main difference is just a couple is colorful logo on Chrome, blue only logo for Chromium, obviously. User metrics are uh, are sent if they're turned on. Report crashes are sent if they're turned on. Out-of-the-box uh, video and audio codecs for Chrome are AAC, H.264, MP3, Opus, Theora, Vorbis, VP8, VP9, and Wave. It has the Sandbox to PPAPI non-free Flash plugin, which they maintain. It's code-tested specifically. The Sandbox is turned on by default, single deb and RPM package, um, and it stores them in slightly different locations because one's called Google Chrome and one's called Chromium. Uh, the major difference is on the Chromium side. So here's what you don't get by using Chrome. You don't get H.264 out of the box. It's dependent on your distro. It does support the uh, Netscape API, and those are unsandboxed, which is how it runs Flash, which means it's it's a little more dangerous version of, of Flash. Living on the edge. It's quote-unquote considered maintained by distributions, not by Google directly. And the sandboxing depends on the distribution you can go to about colon sandbox to confirm if yours is on or not. Pretty much the configs are set in the same, save in the same place except for the folders called Chromium. Also, you don't get that colorful logo. Right. Blue and, only. And maybe the other big thing is is the new releases are uh, and testing are, are depending on packaged up by the distro. Right. Which is kind of a big difference. Yeah. Uh, whereas when you install the deb or RPM of Google Chrome, it adds a repo. And then you get updates from the Googs. I, I end up running Chrome myself. I just go straight Chrome. I, I have Chromium like over here on a system I don't use a lot. It's mm-hmm. not like one of my main, my main, like the soundboard system right here. I have Chromium on that. But this system that I'm here presenting, I want to make sure that H.264 and AAC right. work. That's kind of important. If it's just a browser because, hey, I might need to look up something yeah. on Stack Overflow, works just fine. Yeah. So I just wanted to pass that along mm-hmm. so that way you guys uh, would just maybe could reference this or reference that link in the show notes that people ask you because I get the question a ton. Do you know the Google GOG? They're not good old games anymore. They're having a sale. The AI War Fleet Command is the one I picked up today. It's a pretty cool looking game. It's like this: uh, you uh, you have a whole bunch of bots and you send them to fight off against nice. each other. And it's that sounds fun. 
It actually, it, it was pretty And you're enjoyable. telling me there's a Linux support? Whoa, oh my god. Jeez, good old games autoplay fail. Oh, sorry guys. <laughs> if you Just so you know, that hurt me more than it hurt you. This this is, oh yeah, oh yeah, full on. Full on Linux support. $1.99 right now for some of these games. Like Some of these games are 80% off for some Whoa. of these Linux games right now. That's why I mentioned it. It's their summer sale going on right now. Okay, okay I'm going to have to take a look after the show. No sponsorship intended. No, no uh, what is it called? Uh, no product placement. This is just this is the game I picked up this morning before the show, and uh, it looks pretty good. And with that big old sale going on, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. They have a whole bunch of other stuff on there too. So yeah, dollar ninety nine, crazy. A dollar ninety nine, you can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that. All right, Mister West, we are going to be talking about Gnome a lot today. That's kind of what I wanted to make the bulk of this show about. Was just so we had an episode that was just sort of dedicated to this, where the title kind of matches what the content's about, assuming we have a gnome title. You can do it, guys. Hint, we hint, believe in you. hint, 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 hint. So this is one of our last uh, community updates for the week before we get into the gnome topic. And that's just because it sort of segues us perfectly into it. There is a collaboration going on right now at Canonical's office in Taipei where GNOME developers and Ubuntu developers are in attendance, and they're working to greatly improve GNOME's high DPI support. Oh. So uh, hot damn if Canonical hasn't even yet shipped an Ubuntu-based desktop. And they're already, I mean, this is the exact kind of collaboration I wanted to see when Ubuntu switches to GNOME. And they're working on something called uh, fractional scaling, which is more like how Unity and I think elementary OS is... Mm-hmm. Luna desktop instead but. of just like one or two you can right. have like in between there yes exactly and it kind of requires a whole reworking uh, gnome supports one-to-one and two-to-one scaling only and uh, on multi-monitor systems it's the same dpi scaling across all displays which drives me crazy yeah that's so th- annoying some of the issues this hackfest is aiming to fix uh is to support different fractional scaling values in mutter and gnome shell by upscaling the widgets and then downscaling to the requested value at the compositing time. So they want to draw a shell UI at a higher resolution. They're going to draw the UI for the shell at a higher resolution than what the logical pixels correspond to. Then they'll do non-integer scaling adaptations. And they're also working on X-Whale and client support to a degree. So I, I'm, I'm really, wow. really, really happy about this because this particular type of high DPI support is really sort of next-level high DPI support. Yeah. And uh, This is one area that I would like. I mean, it... You know, it impacts buying decisions. It impacts how I want to build systems oh, in yeah. the future. So yeah. this could really change a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so uh, there's more info in the uh, blog post at the uh, blog.gnome.org site that we have linked in here for the developer who's going. And it's really cool to see this happening. Um, also crazy that Canonical has offices in Taipei. Yeah. They're just all over the place. Today, I learned. Today, yeah, indeed. So that's pretty neat. And uh, when when do we see the fruits of that labor? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that... But maybe that'll get things a little bit, just a little bit closer. So that way your terminals look even better. I actually kid. We but, need those sexy terminals. I actually kid. But, you know, the, the high DPI terminal, that's no joke. That is, that is no joke, Wes. You are no, you're a GNOME user, right? That's right. Okay. So uh, let's, uh, let's, get, uh, let's get ready to talk about GNOME because I, I have many things to discuss here and the future looks bright. Wes is running the GNOME shell. I'm running the gnome shell. We Live prob- in person. We probably have some people in the chat room and in the mumble room running the gnome shell. Maybe so. you at home are Ooh. running the gnome shell. That's so exciting. So let's take a moment and thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code DOUnplugged, D-O-Unplugged, one word after you sign up. 
Then you get a $10 credit and you can deploy a rig on their infrastructure in no time. Spin up a Linux rig and Ubuntu, Fedora, Debian, CentOS, CoreOS, FreeBSD, all with SSD performance, regardless of which one you get. A simple, intuitive API, lightning-fast networking, highly available block storage, and now, check this out, Cloud Firewalls. You will have a central location to define access rules and apply them to all of your droplets. They will enforce these rules on the network layer in their data center. Unauthorized traffic will never even reach your droplet. I like the sounds of that. That is so cool. DigitalOcean.com. Create an account. Sign up. Use our promo code DOUnplugged. You apply that, then you get $10, and you can play around with that $5 rig two months for free. DOUnplugged over at DigitalOcean.com. Let's start with my favorite GNOME extension getting a really solid update. This is the one that I think everybody who starts installing GNOME extensions uh, installs this one. And I want to actually maybe stop for a second because I know I just realized I'm going to get flamed. But uh, yes, I'm – this is going to come across as like, hey, load your GNOME system up with all these extensions and have that at Haas. Just go crazy. This is a disclosure here. The Linux Unplugged show recommends that you have a balanced diet approach to your extensions. Don't overdo it. Moderation is key, people. We're just going to give you some cool ones. Right here off the top, we're not advocating you run a thousand extensions, and uh, a lot of you Plasma users will probably be laughing at us as we do this. But so Dash to Doc is a very popular GNOME extension, maybe the most popular, that takes the favorites and uh, puts it as a as a doc, a, a persistent doc that can hide. Well, version fifty nine, which is available right as we go on the air, has added multi-monitor support. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. We're getting real, folks. Yeah, multi-monitor improvements. Now, it's just the same damn dock on each screen right now, but there are a couple of nice things. There's also improved high DPI support, ding, 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 ding. Um, and if you're not using something like the uh, app indicator extensions that puts them up in the uh, by your clock, if you're like, you still have that little tabby default gnome thing where all your tray icons go, they've specifically built in some smarts to to make sure they're not blocking that anymore. So uh, Dash to Doc, solid extension you already knew about, gets a pretty good update, so go update. Now let's start with something new that maybe you haven't seen. Big props to Joey over at OMG Ubuntu for just really killing it. Yeah. Dude has recognized a need for GNOME coverage and is killing it. Arc is a new applications menu for GNOME Shell. So not everybody likes the activities overlay. This fixes that. Arc Menu is an alternative app launcher for GNOME Shell. It replaces the activities button in the top bar with a traditional start menu style launcher. And uh, it works nicely with uh, things like uh, dash to dock and panel extensions. What happens when you super key? Does it... Does, does, can I still type to complete? That's what I want to know. I think so. Because that's I don't, the big thing I miss from other versions. I don't know. This. See, for me, I'm not big on this. Is being, this is an extension I will not be installing. Yeah. I like just the yeah, super key, type three letters, and launch. I'm, I'm good with but that. But I want, you know, this comes up because I'm, I'm kind of complaining with, like, what systems would I have for my mom, right? And so mm. one of the problems I have, I like the, like, Mate approach of, you know, mm-hmm. explorable, mm-hmm. but... It doesn't work well once they've migrated to, like, they know the right. applications. It's way yes. too tedious. Yeah. They do need something. So I like that. Like, I love that about the GNOME yeah. desktop. And I don't understand why they chose Arc as the launcher name. That's a bad name. It's, it's, name, overlap. it's, it's, yeah. it's overlapping with the most popular GNOME theme. And I, I did some digging. And I can't tell. I don't think the projects are related. I don't know. It's very confusing. Very confusing. This one's also going to confuse a lot of you Xmonad, awesome, tiling window manager users out there. Uh, Gtile is an extension for GNOME that turns GNOME, when you want it, 
into a tiling desktop. And uh, once it's installed, you click a little tile icon in the GNOME menu up top. You'll see a little overlay come up with a whole bunch of squares. The G-Tile overlay will hover over an open window, and then you can click one or more of the squares to place the window in that area. So it's like a grid. The row of icons then display the dimension and the controls of the screen or uh, is titled right there so you can see what the screen title is. If you just want to divvy up your screen into 16 equal chunks, you can do that by choosing 4x4. The really nice thing about G-Tile is you're not locked into tiling. New windows aren't automatically put on the grid. Boom! And existing windows aren't locked, so you have the best of both worlds. And that's one that I might actually end up installing because there are times where I want to organize AF... And then there are times where I want to just be wild. And yeah, that it. one's one of my favorites. Especially because yeah. like, the I've, default I've of just it. left and right is not enough. Oh, go ahead. Go on, yeah. No, it's not worth even bothering. Oh, really? It's, it, if you, it, the reason to do tiling is because you're, you're using your keyboard. G-Tile is 100% mouse controlled. Oh, I, the reason, I, yes, I, I guess I kind mm, of agree. The reason, I, the reason why I like tiling, though, for me, would just be for organizing a whole lot of windows and stuff. Right, but every time you every time you close that window, or you know, the next day you open it, it's it's not there. That you the reason I do it is I organize my tiling so that it, the next time I load the application, it's all tiled together yeah, in the yeah, same way. Yeah, G tiles always you have to do it manually every single time. What I really want is I want perfect, never fail placement of my windows when I hook up my second screen. I want I I want all my windows to go right back where I had them perfectly. There's there is a um an option for people who want the tiling that does have features that are more like recall akin to tiling. This called a shell shape, and it's not really an extension; it's a replacement for gnome shell. Oh, so oh. it's it's gnome shell, but it's a modified gnome shell to make this possible. Because the reason why Gtile doesn't have these features is because gnome itself can't do the uh, the full blown structure based on the way it's built. Well, Michael, so, you're a you're a you're a fan of the gnome workflow. So what is it yes. about the GNOME quote-unquote workflow that you try to adapt over on the Plasma desktop? Uh, well, I'd say the, the the style of having everything all in one. So when you, like the, act, the activities overview where you have the windows and you have the 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 top bar and the, the dock and the, the workspace, uh, I guess it's a dock too, um, all that in one thing. And also the flow of having all the workspaces in a vertical structure rather mm. than a grid. Yeah. Because uh, it's a lot easier to just scroll up and down on your mouse rather than having a keyboard shortcut where you got to do the different arrows in different directions and stuff. Yeah. So there's that. But uh, the I, I don't know if you could give the whole one-click button, start searching for whatever you want as a, as a GNOME thing. I'm not really sure what started that. Just like a launcher thing in general. And KRunner does a fair job of that. I mean, Windows does that yeah. too. So, yeah. 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 Windows, actually, now I think about it, it's probably Windows. I, I give the nod to Quicksilver <laughs> myself. I think that's where it started was Quicksilver. Quicksilver and then Gnome And then Gnome Do came and, over yeah. and Synapse and, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Windows Vista had it. Now I think about it. Hmm. So what's older, Quicksilver? <laughs> Somebody in the chat room, go do some, some sleuthing we online. In you. What's older, the Mac launcher Quicksilver or Windows Vista? I wonder. Although Windows Vista probably was in development before Quicksilver ever hit the market, so there's that. Okay, I've got, I've yeah. just got a couple more extensions. Unless, would you have any other workflow things? Uh, well, I mean, the other thing is, I do like the dynamic workspace, and that's the only thing that's not possible in Plasma. I, I, that would be really nice to have. But yes. uh, as far as yes. like the GNOME workflow, that is really cool. Yeah, yeah, I do like dynamic workspaces as well. Mm-hmm. There's, there's also just one more thing that has absolutely nothing to do with anything, and it's really the only thing that bothers me that I can't have on Plasma. There's an extension in GNOME called uh, Quick Close Overview, 
And all it does is allow you to middle click a window in the overview to like grid thing and just close it from there. Mm. And that is such a huge time saver. Hmm. You know what? This is so stupid. But you know what I miss when I'm on Plasma? Is none of the Plasma applets, whatever they're called, that check the Bitcoin price work. They all that's just, unfortunate, and I and I and right now it's and just it's so much. It's fun. just right there. You're watching, just looking it. at it. It's fun. I really. That's the glint in your eye. I really, you know, there's small things about it. like I really like the top bar on GNOME, especially mm. when I have the top icons extension. Yeah. So that way, all of my uh, system tray stuff is up there, and then it's the rest of the UI is completely just my my application I'm using full screen. I just have a very tiny thin bar with a time date. It's an elegant little bar. I like it. Yeah, especially with it's the very with functional the theme. And then you hit you hit the super key, and you got a you got a pretty good built-in launcher. They can even launch things like the display control panel and stuff like that. Which is between really that nice. and then like the improvements to Dash to Dock, it's really kind of the whole deal. So Quicksilver came out three years before Vista. Boom! It might be Quicksilver then. Damn, that is a long time ago. Yeah. I'm surprised you even remember the name of it. Or surely someone will tell us about an obscure window manager that was doing it. Totally. That. Hopefully. It, it, I would think so. Let us really. know. Yeah. The command line, actually. Yeah, right. It was yeah. really <laughs> the original launcher. Appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I got one more extension. I, well, okay, I might have light. I might have two. And again, Shh. I'm just telling you these are, this one kind of feels like maybe a lighter one that maybe wouldn't wouldn't wreck things. This is a Nautilus Git integration extension. Now, hold on. Don't get don't get excited. Wait, what? Don't get excited. It's not like you're not checking in out of GitHub with Nautilus here. Um, I actually think it's better than that, though. It is instead a simple extension that just adds important information about the current local Git directory you're browsing. So when you browse into a Git directory on your file system, mm-hmm. it gives you relevant things like uh, the Git directory info, the status of the Git files. You can open a remote URL. You can select a specific branch. You can compare commits in Nautilus. So this, again, I, the reason why I bring this up, because I, I, I have this picture, I, I have this picture after going to Dell of developers that buy Smut, Sputnik laptops by the millions to SSH into Ubuntu boxes, and they're they're pushing and pulling on, Help me cloud. on GitHub with their continuous integration, and yeah. they're doing all this stuff, and now when they want to browse a local GitHub directory they've checked out, they get a, a bunch of great additional information just overlaid right into their file manager. I'm going to have to try this. And because the damn thing's not trying to be a whole GitHub client, it's not like it's some huge hack in the extension. It's, it's just, just pretty simple information. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty good. That's great. I mean, I know a lot of people get this kind of, you know, you already have it maybe in your terminal and stuff, so mm-hmm. it seems super mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's wow. pretty nice. Um, it would be great if they added things like side-by-side diff and, and yeah. whatnot. Um, and there's PPAs out there if you're on the Ubuntu's. And, of course, it's up on the uh, GNOME extension site and GitHub. And then, ladies and gentlemen, <gasps> the one that out of all of these, I think I will be setting up for our studio machines if they stay GNOME is app folder management. So this is an extension that allows easy management of app folders directly from the applications view. That looks nice. Yeah, so you can create folders, and as a bonus feature, it's possible to change columns in the folder and stuff like that. So it's actually, you can you get additional nice features, uh, but you can create new app folders. You get a nice dialog to do it. You then add those applications with cool submenus and stuff. You can remove applications from the folders. You can delete the app folder, and the files go, the, the app, application icons go back. Um, it's sort of like how on Android or iOS you can you can move all of your launcher items into folders and it creates dynamic folders, and uh, this kind of seems like a obvious feature. Like I, when I when I thought about this, like I was kind of amazed that this isn't built in. So mm-hmm. this adds that app. Yeah, this looks like a lot of the kind of customization that you 
would probably assume that you yeah. could do. So here in the studio, I could do like, uh, 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 you know, we could have in one folder, we could have the X32 mixer stuff. You could have the Skype stuff, the yeah, mumble stuff. That would make it easy for me. Yeah. And we are back. So Gnome just crashed on us. Uh, that's kind of ironic. I'm not joking. Summary um, of the show, folks. This is a this is a bit of an awkward thing for me right now. This is my love song to Gnome because I think it's such a great desktop and I think it has such a strong future. And yet I think I'm switching away. And I'm going to be talking about that more. But I just I want to continue being positive about Gnome. But I do have to acknowledge that we just had to stop broadcast and we had to stop and re-edit here and all of that because Gnome crashed on us again. So we are going down a path. But uh, and this is a system, by the way, the one that crashes the most is the system with almost no extensions. Just for the record, the only extension it has is uh, dash to dock and uh, the ping extension. Uh, yikes. So there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. It's good times. Do any other machines suffer from this in the studio? Um, we have three GNOME desktops that crash every day. They're all similar hardware. NVIDIA, wow. Arch, Core i7, like a generation ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's happening quite a bit. That's kind of... Wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's a bit of drag. It really is. Like yesterday, I was in the middle of working, and um, so on my system upstairs, Gnome crashes three times. It crash, crash, crash. And the reason I know is because I was looking at the log and looking at Journal CTL, and I can see it crashing, reloading, crashing, and then reloading. And every time it crashes, I just get a sag fault, and then I and then I get a whole bunch of like bunch of errors from extensions, and I get a whole bunch of garbage from when Gnome's starting up and looking for icons and yep. loading caches yep. and stuff, and then and then it dumps again and then it tries again dumps again and here it seems to jump twice or something like that. i haven't quite because it's always when i'm in the middle of like broadcasting so i don't like i don't study it like i do at my workstation um and then on sunday before linux action news i was just sitting here nothing was happening on this computer in front of me with except for chrome but i wasn't even using the mouse or keyboard i was just sitting here chatting with joe before linux action news and it crashed on me that sucks yeah so that's three different systems, all with similar builds, though. Yeah. I haven't seen very much of that, but I don't have any NVIDIA systems running GNOME right now or systems that are up for very long. It's making me, like, rethink, like, go, go minimal, go small, go, go XFCE, go LXDE, just go tiny desktop for the yeah. OBS machine because I just don't want that to be a factor in stability. We want it big. Like, we have a lot of people that are – we have different people. Some people use Linux more. Some people use Linux less that are using all of these systems. Yes. And so we wanted something very approachable. We wanted something people might be familiar with. And so Gnome Shell seemed, seemed like – like a good idea, yeah. Yeah. And it's also my – if I'm going to use a Linux desktop, it's my preferred Linux desktop. So if i got to sit in front of a bunch of Linux machines all day – It's all there. It just works. You know yeah, and then, I'm, then I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable and I'm quick when I'm on air in my – my my sort of muscle memory to use the computer, I can rely on that while I'm talking so I can edit something on OBS while I'm still talking. And I, it it all changes when you're in a desktop environment you're not super familiar with. But I think the crashing, it almost it almost impacts, has it hit TechSnap yet? Oh, yes. it's hit no, all, maybe not. It's almost hit every show I've done. I'm sure it will at some point. This same machine before it was running GNOME ran for a year without crashing. I was going to say, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it's only been and these the machines that are exhibiting crashes now. It's only been within the last couple of months, because they too have been running GNOME three on Arch for quite a while now. So, anyways, yeah, yeah, there you go. I guess that's all I have. I don't that, that, see. Oh yeah, you're right. Beard's totally right. That's what I was thinking. I was just getting confused because it's happened on this show multiple times now. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't quite. But it did happen. Oh, but it did happen to TechSnap. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a trick. It's 
kind of a trick. And it's even with systems that are pretty minimal GNOME shell desktops. They're just kind of the, the stock basic stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it happens. I guess it happens. Anyways, uh, we shouldn't let it drag down the show because there is still actually a lot of really good stuff to talk about for GNOME, what's coming up and things like that. So you can find links to all the extensions we talked about. I think the uh, the one that was sort of appealing to me a bit was Gtile for light usage, but I don't actually think I'll end up using it. But uh, app folders, the one we were just talking about, mm-hmm. app folders does seem like it would be a good way to go, especially if you have other people using your system. And if you are using Git a lot, the uh, Git integration stuff. Yeah, seems I'm like going to give that a try just because it, you know, I don't know how much I'll actually use it, but it seems like it would be handy if I just happen to navigate into a Git folder. Why not? Now, I'm going to just toss randomly a topic bomb into the mumble room there, but does anybody else have like a GNOME tweak or extension or setting or something that they do for their GNOME desktop that, that makes it great and usable for them that you would want to pass along to somebody else trying out GNOME for the first time? I got two real quick here. I got Caffeine should probably be talked about. Caffeine's oh, pretty yeah. useful. Uh, yeah. And the other one that I don't have installed now, but I've used in the past, is like it's one that just installs a Wi-Fi refresh button because mm-hmm. it doesn't refresh when you open the list of Wi-Fi Those access are two points. great ones. Caffeine yeah. keeps your system awake, and yeah, the refresh button should just be built into GNOME to refresh the Wi-Fi. Yeah. I thought so. I thought I maybe heard somebody in the mobile yeah, room. Go on the yeah, I was just going to say that um, I think Auto Move Windows is an extension that's pretty much vital for my usage. Okay, I've seen uh, that one a lot. What does it do? It allows you to specify what applications, uh, which which workspace a specific application goes to. Do you get so to say where in the window, or is it just go to workspace two, but you don't get to say where in workspace two? Uh, technically, uh, GNOME remembers where you want it if you have this, um, like the location of the pixels wise, but it doesn't remember the workspace, and this kind of makes it combine the two. The only negative thing it doesn't have is that it doesn't, if you have more than one monitor, it doesn't remember the other monitor. Mm. But I think there is someone else working on a different extension for that per, that function. Okay. I kind of like that when I have multiple monitors that my second monitor stays static when I switch workspaces. So I'll throw Slack chat, Telegram, maybe a live stream I'm watching, um, VLC, something like that. I'll throw that on my second vertical screen. And then I'm switching between four virtual desktops on my main screen and the, the Slack chats and all that stuff stay persistent across those desktops. I, I can definitely, that. you know, there are use cases for both ways, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hard part. Yeah, because sometimes it is nice to have mm-hmm. a separate desktop. A full, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. There's uh, one more. Uh, it's the Maximus 2 extension. Maximus. It uh, automatically removes the title bar or you know, the, the top part, part of the window when you maximize. Hmm. Nice. Oh, that, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Sort of make it a little tighter. Boom. Yeah. So uh, it like gives you more more real yeah. estate for your window. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good one. Anybody else in the mumble room have any other uh, ideas they want to toss in for their uh, perfect gnome setup? Chaotic has a sound input output chooser. That's a good one. Yeah, and that's really nice because you hit the menu and then right there in the drop down menu, you can choose what your output device is. And that's you, handy. It's really nice if you have like a couple of Linux systems of mine in the past when I booted up, they always defaulted to the HDMI audio out. And so I always had to just change that really quick. Yeah. And that drop down makes that super easy. Not what I want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one that I find quite useful is the uh, NumLock and uh, uh, Caps Lock indicator on the top bar as well. Oh, sure. My keyboard doesn't have that at all. It doesn't. So yeah, I got a couple of keyboards, that, like smaller keyboards now that I have that don't have any lights on them for with the keyboard and unlock. Yeah, so that's a good one too. Yeah. All right. And then uh, Yuri in the chat room says that uh, not only does he give a plus one to caffeine, but the taskbar, which I played with a bit. Oh, I have not. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice to have a taskbar. So it just puts a really small taskbar of all your open windows across all your desktops. Okay. 
And it's nice, but I find myself, because I've used GNOME for so long now, that I, I never click it. I, I, I very rarely click it because if I really lose a window, I just hit the activities overview and I see everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it's it's one of those things where if you just switched from a desktop that has a taskbar, you're going to be inclined to add it and you're just going to probably use it forever. However, if you sort of follow my take a balanced approach to how many extensions <laughs> you have, I would encourage you to just try to follow the workflow of GNOME and maybe cheat by putting dash to dock on the side where you can see dots for which apps are running. Back in my day, we learned the GNOME workflow and we stuck that's to right. it. You know, I, I've said it. I've I've said it a hundred times, but you know that's what happens when you have two hundred episodes. Um, the way I made GNOME work for me when I first switched, like back when. 3.12 came out. Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, that was like the no, 3.10, 3.8, 3.10, 3.12 3.10, were like, okay, GNOME started to get good. Now, it's yeah. like where Plasma's been now for like releases and after release, mm-hmm. where it's just un- unquestionably getting better and better. And it's like features that you, like every release has several features you want. And um, I decided at that point, all right, I'm going to try to make a go of this. And what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to spend 30 days and every day I'm going to try to do something the gnome way that I was sort of resisting, and I that included trying it without maximize and minimize buttons, which I decided after trying that for a couple of days wasn't for me. But I gave it a shot. Yeah. But like the things I did get wrap my head around was dropping the taskbar, um, using the uh, super launcher, and not like installing gnome do or synaptic, just like using the built-in gnome, like using the multiple desktops, embracing maximizing my screens more than I used to. I used to just have tons of windows all over my screen, and now I have one or two windows and then I then I switch over to another virtual desktop and using some of the snapping out aspects oh, of yeah. GNOME. Taking that 30-day quote-unquote challenge, which was just something I was personally doing for myself, made my process of adopting GNOME more of an adventure and it made tolerating the rough edges I felt at the time easier because, well, it's only for 30 days. And But by the time I got done with it, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. I'm actually working faster and better than I ever have on the Linux desktop before. Oh, that's what they were going for. And then I was a convert. And it's really only been until recent stability issues and um, shell performance issues that I've really been – and obviously the constant improvements of Plasma and the great future of Qt that I've been drawn into the Plasma desktop more and more. Um, But Gnome Shell isn't sitting still. No, it's certainly not. I mean, there's a lot of good things. I think we'll both be very curious to watch this Ubuntu canonical, you know. We already just talked about some of the fruits of that labor already. And uh, there's other companies that are getting involved with GNOME that I think are going to make a big difference. We'll talk about them here in a moment. There's a big release of GNOME coming up just around the corner. And there's an application that I think is going to change the GNOME ecosystem. But first, Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. That's where you go to support the show and sign up for a free seven-day trial. This is a platform that's being continuously updated and improved by Linux advocates, educators, developers, and now a whole team. Linux Academy has been growing and growing for years. I think, I think you know, really it's been a sort of a rocket ship because they're, they're so properly addressing a large demand in the market specific Linux training. Not just one of the things they cover, it's what they cover with hands-on labs, scenario-based labs that give you real experience on real servers. Self-paced, in-depth video courses on every Linux and cloud, DevOps, AWS, Azure, OpenStack, containers, security, nitty-itty-bitties. They got great courseware for all of it. Instructor mentoring for when you get stuck, you need some help. They have real humans. Full-time staff members 
who are there to answer your questions. They have Learning Paths, which are a series of courses and content planned by instructors, practice exams to help you get ready for the big test, study tools, which are guides and lesson audio that you can take with you and notes, stuff you can download, iOS and Android apps, which are great, and flashcards that are forked by the community, and that community is stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. That's where you go to support the show, sign up, learn more about any Linux topic, and get a free seven-day trial. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. And thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. Gnome Shell has a big release coming. Uh, and on the road to that release, we're getting Gnome 3.252. It's the second milestone in the development cycle of Gnome 3.26, which is the big one and is expected to launch around September 13th if all goes as planned. Now, they've been doing steady improvements, and there's many things we could call out. I'm just going to call out a couple of things, because there's a lot that may or may not make it. But what has landed is Mutter 3.25.2, and it's a big update to Mutter. It fixes some performance issues, not the big ones that I've outlined in user error, but it fixes some, especially on non-Wayland builds. It improves copy and paste operation between the Wayland and X11 display servers, which is huge. Yeah, and it fixes some glitches that open, that uh, occurred when opening windows and maximizing windows under GNOME, and a few other uh, issues issues that people have talked about, including support for other stuff. So, new Mutter, really great. Super excited about the new Mutter, which will be landing in the new version of GNOME. Like I said, there's going to be other stuff in GNOME, some which may make it, some which may not, but it looks like one that is going to make it is a new GNOME disk utility. This is great. This is getting to be a fully baked application now. It's available for testing if you want to try it, and it's going to bring a number of improvements under the hood and cosmetically. For example, it offers a more clarified meaning of the encryption settings and mounting options. Well, that's good. Yeah, and it implements an intensive auto-clear switch for unused loop devices. It also is going to support uh, different types of mime reading for disk so it can give you some of the names and model types and information that's on there. It's going to prompt users to stop running jobs that are running on devices before you eject them, uh, which is really nice. I'm surprised it didn't do that before, actually. And it will also have the ability to implicitly auto-clear the handling for the lock and auto-mount buttons. And also will have a new app menu entry that lets users create an empty disk image, adds a tooltip for the auto-clear switch, displays the UUID of selected volumes by default, and implements hints for your passphrase fields and removes the unused erase disk dialog. This is like a usable tool now. Uh, yeah, I've kind of avoided it just because I'm more familiar with other tools like already. Like and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, I played around with the current version a little bit before the show, and uh, they're, really, they're really putting something that is confusing and difficult, and they're making it easy to use. They're going to make it easier to create blank images so you can use them. That's for, super helpful. Yeah, you can use them for like as volumes to store stuff. You know, put your porn in here, put your home clips in here, put your documents in this one, then Lux encrypt them, and now you have these Lux encrypted volumes on your on your system that you can mount and unmount easily using GNOME Disk. That's really neat. That is really neat. So that's uh, GNOME three point two six. If you're a GNOME user, is just looking like such a solid freaking release. Let's talk about an app that I think is going to help the whole GNOME ecosystem. Yeah, it's called Builder. And you can find out more with the link in the show notes. It's an IDE for GNOME that's focused on bringing the power of the GNOME and GTK platform to users and developers in a way that's never really been accessible before. And uh, they're, they're, they're doing it in such a smart way. So not only is the development just continuing along at a pretty good pace with great features, but they're intelligently 
adding in support for new features of GTK when the timing's right. They've got auto-completion for some of the favorite uh, GTK languages, the things oh. that go with, like C, C++, Python, Vala, Rust, those things. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it makes creating GNOME desktop applications much more possible, much easier, much more straightforward, using a tool that's really, really well supported right now by GNOME. So that's GNOME Builder. And I think it's going to have a big impact in the long-term applications for GNOME, making them good. Uh, like, look at this. this. It's basic, but it's really nice. It's got an integrated system-wide profiler for performance it's really profiling. It's come a long way. Like, I remember when they launched it yeah, man. a couple years ago, and I was like, okay, great. That that seems neat. But boy, like... Yeah, now, now it's got performance profiling for your apps and stuff. To... I might have to give this a shot just yeah. for some Python, because that yeah. seems and super Markdown. handy. Yeah. It, oh, Markdown, too. Oh, oh, oh. Just Pac-Man up some new hotness. <laughs> and then I want to talk about a company that, in some parts... In some ways, I should say, is a little mysterious to me, and I hope to know more someday. But they seem to have a lot of passion around GNOME, and they have some funding, and they're making some hires. It's Endless. Do you remember Endless? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the creators of the Endless computer with the Endless operating we system. We talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Endless OS. Oh, look look at this, Wes. Can we explore? Look at this. We can like explore. explore. We can, you want to do what you want to explore? Oh, yeah. Let's, we can explore in English. Let's do that. Let's explore in English. Endless OS is a free Linux-based operating system that makes using a computer simpler and accessible for everyone. Endless OS works easily from the moment you turn it on. Just like a smartphone, apps are open from the home screen with one simple click. Endless OS is designed to be useful even when you're offline. Quality content is always at your fingertips so you can find the information you need when you want it. There's an encyclopedia with over 50,000 articles, plus tons of useful information about parenting, health, culture, and so much more. There's a built-in app center where you can access over 100 applications and add any favorites to the desktop. The best part is they're all free and pre-installed. Endless OS is a great tool for school, work, or home. It comes with LibreOffice completely free, so you never have to pay for software licenses. There's a word processor for creating documents, a spreadsheet app for budgeting, and an app to make clean and professional presentations. You can also open and edit Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, and Excel. And so if you're watching the video, it's kind of obvious. This is a GNOME-based desktop running on top of Linux. And Endless, uh, you might remember them. They had like the bamboo-covered ducks. Do you remember seeing those? Uh, They have these Endless computers. Uh, they have this circular dome computer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this thing that kind of looks like a subwoofer almost. It really yeah. And then they have Mission, the uh, Mission Mini, which is... This, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, the little... little okay, bamboo. I want it. I kind of yeah. want it. Yeah. And this is this is for a different market than us. Like, the Mission 1 is a $249 Intel NUC that's wrapped in bamboo, though. I mean, that's that's like the most badass-looking yeah. NUC ever. Look at I'll that. I'll run thing. Arch on that. That's fine. Damn, right? Um, so Endless is doing some hires. Um, is a, that uh, right? A uh, long-time uh, Canonical employee, Michael Hall, recently uh, left Canonical it, wow. and, I believe, has gone to Endless. And other individuals that I probably shouldn't name have also been contracting and working with Endless. Um, several, actually. So they seem to have some funding. They seem to have some products. They have a couple of deals with a couple of different stores where they're selling this, I think, in California. In the store, so oh, you can just go into a store. And buy. Yeah, that would that's be where they're based kinda... out of. Okay, wow. Yeah, I think they have two offices right now, and uh, they are actively contributing. My understanding upstream to GNOME because they they plan to base this thing around GNOME, 
and uh, they plan to use flat packs to distribute their software. Um, it could be it could be interesting because they are specifically hiring people to work on the community and to work on the code of the GNOME desktop. You don't often get a lot of companies that that do that for 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 an end user type. Like you'll get companies that want to improve the ARM code or the power management. But you don't – I mean not a lot these days do we get companies that want to come in and specifically make the Linux desktop better. They, uh, they're they trying to build computers for like the next billion people essentially. So, you know, they a That's bit a ambitious. Yeah. A bit ambitious. They, uh, they say our team, we're small but global. We, uh, we're in 17 countries. We've assembled a world-class team across design, software, hardware, and operations. United one goal to make computing available for users everywhere. Using Linux and GNOME would be a great way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm fascinated. That's where like by all the, the the gnome. You know, it seems like their their base is pure enough for this kind of thing. Like right? where you can build on it and you can get something that's simple enough for people to use. Especially with what we're talking about, like the gnome, uh, mm-hmm. the disk manager, things like that. Where we've been griping for a long time about, like, yeah, you, you know, we don't have these features for things. You've redefined things. You're building from the ground up now. But maybe we're at the point where what we what they have is like is it's really sound. If I recall, the idea is that they're going to they're going to deliver updates forever or something like I can't remember what I can't remember what the endless part comes in, but yeah, you could be right, Wes. I'm gonna you know what they probably say on their website endlessos.com if you guys want the endless OS comes with everything your family needs. Hmm? There okay. you have it. Can That's, we get a clip of that? Yeah, it could be right, Wes, just right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it's a pretty cool company, and they seem to be pretty involved with GNOME. So you you combine that now with things like GNOME Builder and uh, the path of GTK. So I also thought maybe we would talk a little bit about GTK four, which is oh. coming down the road. Um, not it's not going to be like a game changer like uh, GTK three was from GTK two. There's going to be some things that change. Uh, right now, they're at GTK 3.91. It's available. That's going to become GTK 4, the toolkit. Uh, they have um, support for macOS now. GTK apps will be able Whoa. to target macOS. Probably a smart thing because Qt can do it. Yeah, totally. And now you can run on, So now you build to run on Windows. You can run GTK apps on Windows, already, yeah. Mac. Yeah, right. Okay, that's and pretty like, nice, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's probably it just feels good. weird, but it does. It you're does. right. It's probably good. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of other work they have queued up for GTK4, um, which you can uh, follow up in the show notes if you want. But it's it's actually you just want the Cocoa apps on GTK, uh, yeah. right? Like that. You know, somebody needs to do the reverse. Let's get some of the Mac apps on the Linux exactly, desktop. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I either way, I think it's it's the future is bright. If you look at GTK4, they seem to be they really have their senses about where it's going. Like there's there's some improvements. There's some things they're adding, like some. some Nice Vulcan support in there too. Oh. Yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff, but it's not like a throwing everything away and we will have forks for a decade because of the change. It's yeah. not going to be that dramatic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. Rikai says, I'm sure GTK on the Mac will be just as native as, as it is on Windows. Hey, at least you can run GIMP on Windows. It can happen, yes. and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. I've used that really actually more times than I can count, so it really does. It is actually quite useful. Yeah, and you know, I think. I think Apple killed off their X server a while ago, and so oh, did they? I think so. I just remember seeing it there. Yeah. You know, so I think with hills or now whatever. without this, you wouldn't have a way because you could always do X on the Mac and then run the GTK apps. But now I think with this, this will solve that problem. So, future is bright not only for GTK and GTK four, but the future is also bright for the GNOME desktop. For the companies that are getting involved, you've got such 
uh, this is such a D-bag term, but you have, quote unquote, bilateral support, if I could steal a political term. We have bilateral corporate support for the GNOME desktop. We've already got Canonical working on ways to improve it. You got System76 working on ways to make it more palatable to consumers. You got Endless working on ways to make it more palatable to the next billion computer users. Got to be Endless. Yeah. Uh, and they're and they're hiring actual people and paying them to work on this stuff. Gnome Four is just around the corner. It's all pretty good. It's all pretty good. It's happening. It's funny. It's like what kind of dick am I for now switching away, right? But that, year of the Gnome Desktop, Chris. Where are you? I know it is the year of the Gnome Desktop, and I'm like, all right, well, peace out, guys. Thanks for all the fish, and uh, I'll be over here in Plasma Land trying to make it as gnome as possible. Huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> This is the curse that you have bestowed upon yourself. Oh, man. I, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to wait till Ubuntu comes out in October with their GNOME version and hope that the updates get pushed to GNOME and they go, yeah, we'll take that, or GNOME's going to go, no, nah, we're fine. We're not going to do that. Well, like in the case of this uh, uh, fractionated coconut oil, uh, high, high DPI scaling, they are – it's a GNOME developer and a Canonical employee working together in the same room. And Canonical, you know, has – the nice thing about that is the guy shared this on Google+. Plus. Uh, Canonical has a whole bunch of high DPI monitors they can put in the room for testing, which he didn't have access oh. to. Uh, so it's not like they're just developing it in a in a, in a, in a, in a room somewhere, in some white room, and they're just going to throw the code over the fence. They actually, you know – have the guy on the GNOME project working on this in their office. Um, so that's like that's a whole new level of collaboration for them. It really is. It, it, I think the future is bright there. Maybe maybe I'll be back sooner than later. You know, because this like this crashing problem. If this went away, the performance issues I suffer with, I feel like, yeah, you know what? I could re- I could reload the sh- the GNOME shell every few days. And easy enough, right? It's yeah. easy enough. It's not ideal. It's easy enough. But the crashing that's that's where I draw the line, right? That's where that impacts business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if but I but I am I am confident that whatever it is, it will eventually get worked out. If it is an NVIDIA bug issue, if it's a if it's a GNOME issue, if it's a uh, some grass weird will be green again, some weird you. USB bus issue for all I know. Who knows? It's yeah. weird that also when GNOME shell crashes, our audio cuts out for mm-hmm. a little bit in OBS. I don't know what that's about. Either way, our problem to figure out. GNOME's making good progress, so this is sort of my love song to GNOME. As I begin to switch away for a little while, I'm sure I'll be back one day, friend. But thank you for all the great times, GNOME Shell. Thank you for all the fun extensions. And the enthusiasm and energy around GNOME Shell is higher than ever. Cool, great extensions are being created that uh, weren't around a year ago. Joey over at OMG Ubuntu is doing great write-ups, making it clear and easy how you get the stuff that he's talking about, which is one of the things Joey really excels at is – He's like, here's the thing that's really great. Here's a few screenshots of it. And oh, by the way, if you're on one of these distros, this is how you get it. I love that. I try to do that too. Um, we have links to everything we talked about in the show notes. It is going to be the no- the year of GNOME. It really is. So don't take my switching away <laughs> as a, a sign that it's it's going away and con- I'm condemning it. I'll be back. I'll be back. In the meantime, I heard Plasma 5.10 hurt, hit the Arch Repo stable today. Oh boy! So all I got to do is go upstairs and update my system, and I got plasma. Maybe 510. it's time for Chris tries a tiling window manager all over oh, again. Oh, don't start that again! I want to see this if time I... on Wayland. What about plasma desktop and window rules? Maybe that'll just do what I want, where it puts everything where I want. I don't know. Maybe I'm dreaming. Let me know. Linuxunplug.reddit.com. Don't forget the barbecue is official. Meetup.com/slash/jupiterbroadcasting. If you can make a Telegram group bit.ly slash jbtelegram. Join us live, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Wes, say goodbye. Goodbye.
Okay, producer Michael, did you leave, or are you gonna? Can you break me the bad news? Am I am I gonna be screwed with my dreams and hopes for uh, plasma uh, window rules? Uh, no. No, that'll do it. That'll work. That'll do what I want. Good. It's awesome. Okay, good. Okay, I kinda, well, for some reason, I think I when I read your comment, the chairman was like, "Oh, that might not be a good way to go." I see. Uh, I was I saying I do this. Oh, okay. Uh, awesome. So, like, you so can. Oh, good, good, good. Window rules is it's it's more complicated to set up, but it is awesome. So, uh, it's actually you have to you have to set up individually. So you set the window however you want it, and then you apply a window rule. And then the, and what the best part about it is that once you set it to however you want, like regular just movement moving around and stuff, it's detecting what the current settings are. So if you try to just make a window rule in the system settings, it's a pain in the butt. But if you do it from right clicking the title bar, it'll give you an option. It's like, oh, okay, just activate this, and whatever you currently have, it will use that setting. Okay. So it's actually not that hard to do if you know what to do in the right order. Okay. But uh, the other part is that Plasma has built-in tiling, essentially. Uh, it doesn't have the automatic, you know, it's going to tile it based on what people expect tiling window managers to do. Okay. But uh, it, it has these shortcuts where you can do, you know, horizontal, top and bottom, the side left, left and right like people, you know, are used to. It also does quarter tiling, so you can do the you oh, know, top yeah. left, bottom right tiling. Okay. But none of that is none of that has a shortcut by default. The functionality right. is in the system. It is there. You have to manually go and put what shortcut you want that. I've to run into that before and been confused trying to get those shortcuts right. Yeah, like the, what I do is with my keyboard, uh, the it's perfect because the you know the the insert home page up that little set of six things cluster. I have I have a, a super. Plus the uh, top left, like the insert key is top left of the screen tiling. And then, you know, et cetera for the rest of them. And home and end are like horizontal uh, tiling. Hmm. So like what I do is set it up for that. If I want to keep it however it is, I just set it, I just use the shortcut, puts it where I want, and then uh, use window rules to remember it. Okay. That sounds actually pretty, maybe we need like a... Plasma 101 with yeah. Mr. Tonell. I may, if I end up switching to a few, yeah, a few videos on I'm actually something. working on doing that. Oh, it's are you? My, oh, nice. My, good, good thinking. My idea yeah. was to, like, kind of how to use Plasma and avoid the, you know, the headaches of not understanding how to use everything. Yeah, because, like, I've got the GNOME thing down where, like, I can install GNOME a couple extensions oh, yeah. and it's there, but I don't have, I would like to get there in Plasma, too. 